Hi, Ann Pearson here. And before I begin today's episode, I'm excited to tell you about the Paralegal Bootcamp's new three-step roadmap to manage cases like a rock star paralegal. If you're fairly new to litigation, this quick start guide will help you figure out three things that you can be doing to help you better anticipate what the attorney needs before they have to ask for it. It'll help reduce some of those last minute scrambles, especially if you're working for an attorney who's a procrastinator or someone who doesn't always share all of the important case information with you. I put this three-step roadmap into a downloadable PDF for you, and it's completely free. You can get yours on our website at paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash three steps. Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. In a recent coaching call that I do a couple of times a month inside the litigation paralegal boot camp, I had a question from one of the paralegals about how to handle an attorney who's okay one day and then the next day is yelling and screaming at her. We had some other paralegals also jump in and give their advice. After that coaching call, I got a little bit angry. Angry at the attorneys who treat their staff like that. And this is someone who's in a very small firm and has no one to turn to. There's no HR department to go talk to. There's no supervisor or office manager. Rightfully, in her mind, it's either deal with it or be unemployed. And this is her first job, so she's hoping she can hang in until she's got a year or two of experience under her belt because she knows it's going to be easier to find another job once she has that experience on her resume. This episode is dedicated to her. She said she listens to the podcast, so if you're listening, this is for you. But also, in addition to getting angry at the attorneys who do this, I also felt compelled to get on here and talk about this problem in more detail because it's more prevalent than you might think. If you're part of any of the paralegal social media groups, you see them. Other people saying similar things about attorneys even in larger offices with colleagues, more attorneys, and even office managers, and it still happens to them. So this isn't just me bashing on solo practitioners or small firms that don't have HR departments. Okay, but like all podcast episodes, it's not just going to be me ranting or expressing my opinion. I'm going to give you some actionable strategies if you're dealing with something like this. Even if you're not, if you're lucky enough to be working for a really good attorney who treats you with respect, maybe you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please share this with them. Or share it on social media, because you never know if someone out there is quietly dealing with this and feels isolated and doesn't know who to talk to about it. Let me start by acknowledging that in my 30 years in the legal industry, I've worked for some difficult attorneys. 
I'd almost say I had a knack at it. (laughs) Did a really good job being able to work for someone who others in the office had a hard time working with. But let's get something straight. There is a difference between a difficult attorney and an abusive attorney. I call those jerk attorneys because I can't say the other word on here or they'll mark this as an explicit episode. Let's start with the difficult attorney. I'll give you some examples of what I've seen. Either personally, I've experienced it, or I've had to address it as a paralegal manager. A difficult attorney might be one who maybe they wait until the last minute for absolutely everything that they assign to you. You know, the one who comes to you at 445 with a project that has to be out the door by 530, only it's something that's clearly going to take two or more hours to get done. I'm not talking about the attorney who occasionally has a last minute request. We all have things come up. I'm talking about the one who's had that draft motion on their desk for four days and waits until the day of the deadline to decide to work on it. There's also the micromanager, difficult attorney. On the flip side of that is the one who never gives you clear instructions on what they want and then complains when you do it wrong. That's a difficult attorney. There's the one who holds back praise or really any type of feedback. There's also the one who thinks that there's a food chain at the law firm and you're at the bottom of it. I've worked with or experienced every one of those types of difficult attorneys and more. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard a few stories about some of them. Here's the thing. Those types of people are just poor leaders. They never learned how to be a good manager. That's completely different than the attorney who yells at you when you do something wrong. Not just raises a voice, but literally yells or screams at you. Belittles you, calls you names, or worse yet, berates you in front of other colleagues. Those attorneys are what I'm calling the jerk attorneys, and what they're doing is abusive. Yep, you heard me right. In my opinion, if your attorney is doing those things, and I don't care if it's because you made a mistake or messed something up, if your attorney yells and screams at you, calls you names, belittles you in front of other colleagues, they are jerks. All right, so why you shouldn't tolerate that? You shouldn't tolerate that even once, even if it's for something you did as a mistake, because when it happens once and you tolerate it and you're okay with it, You're setting an example that you're okay being treated like that. It creates an atmosphere of this fear and anxiety, but it can also damage your self-esteem and your confidence. When you're constantly subjected to criticism and harsh words, it's easy to start questioning your abilities and your worth as a paralegal. Then it puts you on guard and that anxiety will likely lead to more mistakes. So then what do you do about it? Well, I want to be careful here because I certainly don't want anyone to become unemployed and then not be able to find another job before the bills start piling up. So instead, what I'll do is tell you what I would do if it was me. And I'll give you a few different strategies so that you can determine if one of them could be customized for your unique situation and for what you feel comfortable with. So the first thing I would do, regardless of what you ultimately decide to do with anything else I suggest, the first thing I would do is update your resume right now. 
Don't put it on your to-do list and wait until the next explosion. Do it now. And then put it out there discreetly to a few recruiters. I am not saying to quit. What I'm saying is have a plan B in place in case the worst case scenario happens. Because the worst case scenario could be you're going to just keep tolerating the yelling and screaming. And at some point, one of those yelling and screamings is going to be the attorney saying, you're fired, get out of my office with no notice and no severance pay. So you've got to have a plan B. Then, now I'm a few steps ahead, right, into the job search process. We're not necessarily getting there, but it's going to give you some security and maybe a little more confidence in your own mind. Almost like when you have that rainy day fund stashed aside in your savings, right? You know what happens when you have the fund set aside for an emergency. You don't have any emergencies. When you don't have a rainy day fund, that's always when the car breaks down or that major home repair comes out of nowhere. Now, even though I'm not telling you that you should quit, you should know a few statistics out there. I went and did some research after we had this litigation Q&A. A Forbes article that I read said that studies show it takes an employee 22 months after leaving a bad boss to fully recover their physical and emotional health. Yeah, 22 months. Then there was the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. They had a study that revealed that a toxic boss can give you greater odds of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and diabetes. Maybe none of those things happen. But you know what does happen? It wrecks your self-esteem. All right, back to the resume. If you're going to work on your resume, don't just update it with your current position and a few bullet points of things that you do in your current position. Update all of your positions with the things that you did at each position that's going to show a future employer what you can bring to the table, not just here's a list of my job duties. So don't put things in there like e-file motions with the court. Every litigation paralegal knows how to e-file or is expected to know how to e-file. What unique experience can you bring to the table? If you're a personal injury paralegal, don't list something like requested medical records. Because not only can everyone do that, a law firm can now also outsource something like that to a vendor. What can you do for them that's more than that? Something that shows value and sets you apart from the other applicants. Again, the reason I suggest doing the resume first is that you don't want to be in a situation where you're rushed because you're unemployed and you need a paycheck as soon as possible. Your brain is in a different space when that happens. So do it now while you're still employed. Okay, your resume's updated. Now it's time for step two. Talk to your boss. If you feel comfortable doing so, remember all of these are what you feel comfortable doing. Accept the resume. That's not optional. Step one, resume, not optional. Step two, talk to your boss. It may be worth having a one-on-one conversation with your attorney about their behavior before it happens again. In other words, while everyone's calm, including the attorney. Here's a few strategies you might want to think about. So you want to choose the right time and place. 
make sure that you choose a time when your attorney's calm, not in the middle of a stressful situation, not working on a time crunch, a deadline, and you're calm. You've let the last one go. You're not feeling anxiety about that. You're not upset. You're calm. And then choose a private place where you can talk without interruptions or distractions. Next, be clear and specific. It's important that you want to be clear and concise about the behavior that you're experiencing and how it's impacting you. So you might say, I've noticed that when you get frustrated, you often raise your voice really loud and use a harsh tone. I find it really upsetting and it distracts me from doing the best job possible for you because then it makes me feel X, Y, Z. You're going to want to use I statements. So instead of accusing your boss of bad behavior, you focus on how their behavior is impacting you. So when you say, I've noticed that when you get frustrated, you often raise your voice and I find it really upsetting. or I feel really stressed out and anxious when you yell at me. It's hard for me to then focus on my work when I feel like I'm constantly on edge. And next, you have to be prepared for some pushback. I don't know your attorney's personality. You do. You probably know if there could be some pushback. But even if you don't know for certain, you have to be prepared that they might not take this feedback well. They could become defensive or dismissive but it's still important to stay calm and professional, even if they become hostile. Try to stick to your talking points, write them down in advance, and avoid getting drawn into some argument or shouting match. If you get into a shouting match with your attorney, particularly a litigation attorney, you're probably going to lose. So don't bother even going there. Okay, so we've got step one done, the resume's updated. Step two, you've talked to your boss. Now let's say the next week, your attorney comes into the office in a bad mood, something doesn't go their way, or maybe you mess something up and they start yelling at you. You can do one of these things. So you calmly say to them, right, I don't appreciate you speaking to me like that. When you want to discuss something in a calm manner that's productive for both of us, let me know. Then walk away. Literally turn your back to them and walk away. Or if you feel like you can't say something to them without getting upset or emotional, then just walk away mid-sentence. Nothing in your job description says you have to be willing to sit quietly while someone berates, belittles, and screams at you. You might not think that you have the courage to do something like that, but you do. The reason that you think you don't have the courage is because every time you let someone treat you like that, they're chipping away at your self-esteem little by little. The way to start getting back some of your self-esteem is to stand up for yourself. But when you do, you should do it in a respectful way. Even if the other person is screaming at you, don't give it back to them like that. Another thing to keep in mind, so this is the following week, you've talked to them, They're screaming at you, something went wrong. Another thing to keep in mind is that it's really never about you. When someone treats you that way, well, I mean, you've let them treat you that way. That's what allows them to continue. But the first time they do that, this is about them. It's always about them. 
So when you're trying to get back some of your self-esteem, you've got to remember that. It is not normal behavior for someone to scream at you, even if you've made a mistake at work. They can reprimand you. They can sit you down, talk to you about the mistake. They don't scream at you. So if they are screaming at you, remember, this is about them. This is on them. It's not me. Now, in terms of this whole episode, what what this is all really about is setting boundaries. So this is the week after, you know, you've talked to them. That's kind of setting the boundary, saying this is unacceptable. But a few other things about boundary setting that you want to make sure that you're clear about is this is setting a clear expectation for them on what you expect to be treated or how you expect to be treated in the workplace. So it's important when you're setting boundaries to be clear, specific, and firm. What won't you tolerate? Be clear about it. If your boss continues to scream at you after you've already had a conversation about their behavior, it's important to let them know you won't tolerate it anymore. Be specific about what you're referring to and let them know how it makes you feel. Setting boundaries doesn't mean being aggressive. It means calmly and assertively stating what your needs are and your expectations. Remember, use the I statements when you want to communicate how their behavior is impacting you. Now, the third part of that is you've got to follow through on your consequences. If you've set boundaries and your boss continues to behave inappropriately, then you've got to follow through on any of those consequences that you've established. This might mean walking away from a conversation if they start yelling or seeking support from HR or from a higher-up person if their behavior continues. Look, the bottom line of this is no one, not you, not the paralegal down the hall, or anyone else deserves to be screamed at when someone else is having a bad day. Or even if you did do something wrong. If you did do something wrong, own up to it. Tell them it won't happen again. But that making a mistake doesn't justify being screamed at. I think I'll do a whole other episode on how to handle making mistakes. Because that could be a whole other one. And I know we're running up on time for this episode already. And I really wanted this to be more about the focus of what happens. You know, and the difference between a difficult attorney and a jerk attorney. And then finally, I would add just one final note. Ask yourself this question and answer it honestly. If you didn't have a job right now, you were unemployed, would you take the job that you have now knowing what you know? Let's say you're interviewing and you know exactly what to expect because you've been there now for two years. You know exactly that for the next two years, this is what I can expect in this job, would you willingly take the job? All right, so hopefully not too many of you are dealing with that situation where your attorney is screaming at you or belittling you or berating you in front of other people and you're just dealing with the good old everyday difficult attorney to work for. And if you want to comment or send me a message, I know not a lot of people want to comment online about this. Although I do see a lot of these posts in the social media group for paralegals, a lot of paralegals dealing with this. So 
you are not alone. And I hope this episode helped you. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.